Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the Ringer NFL show. I'm Nora Princiati. And after a nice little, little early summer hiatus, I'm back here with Steven Ruiz. Steven, good to see you. It's good been to a see while. You. It has been How's a while. You, you went to Sweden and I stayed in America and was sad. No, I wasn't <laughs> sad, but <laughs> I got a lot of I work did go done. To Sweden. We missed you. Ah, I appreciate you. it. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. I think maybe you can, you'll get to Sweden someday. We'll get, we'll get Sweden to Stockholm eventually. I believe in it. Um, Me too. How are things? How's this wonderful June morning for you? Ah, it's good. The maintenance guy came through, fixed my AC. Now I'm feeling cool. I'm I'm feeling ready to pod. I'm not going to be sweating through the pod like I have been for the last couple of weeks. That's great. I need to get, I need to call the, the, I need to call my superintendent and get my air conditioning filters changed. So that, yeah. Thank you for reminding me and maybe all of our listeners. Everybody can get on that. Everybody can have like fresh and roaring AC units uh, as they head into the summer. But as this is we head podcast. into the summer, wow, transition. Uh, we're going to start a little series that's going to get us through really up until uh, training camp starts, where we are going to power rank the entire league. And this is how we're going to do it. Every episode, we're going to uh, go through a division rank the teams in that division one through four. But at the end of that, we're going to add those teams to an overall list of the league. So by the end of this episode, we're going to start with the AFC South. By the end of this episode, we will have power ranked the AFC South one through four, and we'll have a list of four teams, um, one through four in the league. Then we're going to come back next week, and I think we're going to do the NFC South. Yeah. And by the end of that, not only will we have power ranked the division, but we will have slotted those teams into the overall list as well. And we're going to keep it up, get through every division. And by the time we are at 32, we will have a list top to bottom, um, best to worst for the entire NFL going into 2023. And then you don't even have to watch the games. You already know everything that you need to know just from listening to us. Right, right. right. I like how we're doing this over time. By the time this ends... I feel like we're we're gonna disagree with our power rankings as much as like the listeners <laughs> are gonna disagree with it. They're gonna be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Those guys are idiots. I mean, I guess this is like a little bit of planning on the fly, but I suppose we should allow ourselves if we really feel the need, like if there is some big piece of movement. If if one of us wants to motion to go back and tweak something in an order, I think if both of us agree to it, we should be able to do that. We don't, sure. The list will be locked once it is a complete list. But like maybe, maybe if we have reason to do it, we'll discuss some happenings around the league and and use that to tinker with the order a little bit. But you know, it's a living, breathing document. We'll just see what happens. Uh, The AFC South. Should we get started? Let's talk about it. Let's do it. So we started with the AFC South in part because 
this is one of the divisions that has been most clearly remade over the offseason. Not necessarily in the strength of the teams relative to one another, but um, could pretty easily, depending on what happens in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, could pretty easily have three new quarterbacks here. And um, three teams, the Colts, the Titans, and the Texans, obviously, uh, do have young passers now on their roster. So it's an interesting division to to start with. It's a division where we've talked about the teams in relationship to the draft and the offseason a bunch, and now we get to sort of go big picture. That said, the team that I have number one, and I don't think this will be particularly controversial, is the one team with the only actually proven good and healthy quarterback. Uh, and that is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm assuming they're at the top of your list as well, Steve. They, they are. And like, I know that this division came down to the last game, uh, Tennessee versus Jacksonville, but Jacksonville was like far and away the best team in this division last year. Like by point, all the like underlying metrics by point differential, right. they were plus 54. The Titans were closest at minus 61. Like there was a hundred point differential between first and second <laughs> place. It was insane. And the Jaguars had the eighth best offense by EPA, the 12th best defense. And really, the, and the Titans were 26 in offense and 22nd in defense. Like th- this was a competitive division on paper. But like when you look at the strength of these teams, I feel like it's Jacksonville's to lose. And I, I don't see how like any other team can really mount a challenge to them if they stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's they're, they're not a team that did a ton in the offseason, but the addition of Calvin Ridley is going to be really, really interesting. And I do think that we, last season, one of the things that even as in those underlying metrics, they were pretty clearly by a pretty clear like head and shoulders margin above the other teams in the division, one of the clearest things that they were missing was a wide receiver presence like that. And that is something that I think could help them not just sort of maintain where they were last season, but they they can take another real step there. There's one area in which they feel a little regression-y, which is just that they were very, very healthy last season. Um, They and the Chiefs were the top uh, two healthiest teams per man games lost. That that tracker factors in um, player career performance. So, so, you know, it can, can depend a little bit when you're talking about teams with a lot of, a lot of young players, but in general, that's a very good, uh, way to assess not just which teams were the healthiest, but which teams were the healthiest in terms of keeping their good players on the field. So that could go in one direction, but I do think that they were already in, in first place by a good margin. And then when you talk about the Ridley thing, I think being important and two, defensively, we talked about this, I think, when we were talking about team needs. They should probably be in line for some positive regression there because they had the same number of quarterback pressures last season as the Eagles, but only half of the sacks. And that's the type of thing where you go nine and eight. It's not that hard to see, you know, over the course of a season... 15 pressures end up being sacks instead of just being pressures. It kills drives. It takes points off the board. All of a sudden, you beef up that record a little bit, and that's a really, 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 really impressive season. Um, so this one was easy. This is a good team. It, I They should be the favorite to win the division. I think that's pretty obvious. 
Yeah, I, I do wonder, like, what what does the next step look like? And I think part of that is the sack thing. And I think it comes down to Trayvon Walker taking the next step. They played him, I would say, out of position last year. They had him stand up a bunch. They, they base out of 3-4. I think getting his hand in the dirt, which apparently has been happening during uh, off-season mini camps and training uh, camps. Uh, if he can be that number one overall pick, like if he could be a guy, not even a 10-sack guy, maybe like an eight-and-a-half-sack guy, I think that really does a lot for this defense in the regard you were you were talking about. And then you look at the secondary. That's my one concern about this team. I don't think yeah. it's going to be exploited by teams in this division. But the Jaguars, I feel like they've kind of like grown past this division. It's not about winning the division. It's about competing with these other teams now. And I don't know if they have the secondary to do it. Outside of Tyson Campbell, I don't really, I don't really like this, this defensive backfield. Andre Sisco, Rashawn Jenkins, a, a safety pair. I, I think that's fine. But Darius Williams as your number two corner, uh, that just feels like something you can pick on, especially if you're a team that has stars. Like, it, let's say they have to compete with the Bengals. Like, right. what does that look like? What is Darius right. Williams on T. Higg on those Giants? What does that look like? And uh, I, I, Trey that's Herndon. The, right. That's my one concern. But we saw this team give Kansas City a pretty good game. In well, the that's, playoffs. that's the funny thing is they actually match up pretty well with Kansas City because, yes, they're supercharged by having Mahomes, but the receivers aren't scary. And I agree with you that the even though when you look at the defensive front, a lot of those guys, particularly Trayvon Walker, but also, you know, Josh Allen, like they haven't exploded onto the scene with like the huge year or become sort of the cornerstone franchise guys that I think, uh, you know, at one point or another, um, maybe still people have hoped that they would, people there have hoped that, that those guys would become, it's still a pretty solid group. Like they're going to be okay. It really is the secondary when they have to go up against really strong receiver cores. And that's why the the Bengals question is the, the really interesting one, because again, like it's, it's funny to, it's just going to be funny to, to use the chiefs as like, the big scary team in the division because then it's just like, yeah, man, like who's going to cover Kadarius <laughs> Tony? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Everything comes back to like, just, oh yeah, they have Mahomes and nothing else matters with them. That is, that is a good point. But even like the other teams at the top of the division do have like bigger receivers where you can pick on these smaller guys. Yeah. Like the bills have Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis isn't the best wide receiver, but he is a big guy. Stefan Diggs is going to be able to take advantage of anyone regardless of size. The Chargers with Mike Williams. There's, I, I do think that's a potential pitfall for them. And I think that, like you said, the, the front seven is, is, re- is solid, like as is. I think it needs to be good to great for them to take that next step that I think yeah. they're looking for. And, and that means Josh Allen has to be the guy that we thought he was his, after his rookie year. And I think he started to get back to that last year. He showed some flashes. And then Trayvon Walker, like I said, has to be a, you know, a first-round pick, has to play like that. And if that happens... And Trevor takes a step, and Ridley is what we think he's going to be, or what he was before the suspension. This is a team, man. This is a team you have to take take account of in the AFC, and I think they're capable of at least competing with like the Bills, who maybe have taken a step back, and maybe even the Bengals, who who could as they continue to lose depth every year as they plan to pay their guys.
ready to move on? Yeah. I'm really interested to see like who you pick as the second team in this the, division because I had the, so much trouble. I did too. This is the spot that's interesting. Um, do you want do you want to go or do you want me to go? Uh, I'll go. I'll go first. I went with Tennessee and it wasn't, I looked at the roster and it wasn't like, I'm like, oh, this is a great roster. It came down for me to, Rabel gets the most out of his, out of his team every year. They overachieve. And I think you look at the roster and you look at the defense, you could see this defense being, uh, if they're healthy and the, and the secondary gets a little better, you could see this defense being a top half of the league defense. And if Ryan Tannehill is one, if they let him start the whole year, and then two, he stays healthy. We've seen this work before. I know the receiving core doesn't look great. Like you still have Nick Westbrook, Akinney, Kyle Phillips is the starting slot receiver. Traylon Burks, there was a lot of questions about him during his rookie year. But like if one of those guys becomes an adequate number one target, and then you get uh, the tight end Nkonkwo from Maryland, and, and he takes the next step. He's a really good athlete, and he, he showed some stuff last year, especially at the end of the year. This could be a like the 2020 Titans. They could win like eight, nine games. I, 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 I think it's a decent team on paper. It was better than I thought it would be when I looked at the roster. So I don't disagree with that. But it, here's the first. We're going to have to iron out our order here for the first time because I okay. put the Colts second. I'm fine and with that. And I, I literally have in my, in, and I put the Titans third. And in my notes for the Titans, I literally wrote down, Vrabel gets more out of his rosters than he has almost any right to, but. And the but is just, I think if you look at the positions that matter the most on this team, you have health questions at quarterback. You have sort of like, what does Ryan Tannehill have to offer at this point? Um, Are they going to turn to Will Levis at some point, depending on that situation? Tackle where you have Andre Dillard coming in to play to replace Taylor Lewan, which I don't love. Wide receiver, which you just explained, just a little bit too much riding on on Burks for having 400 receiving yards last year. And then edge rusher and corner. I don't love what they have at any of in any of those areas. And they're a hard team to figure out because again, I do think that Vrabel really, really, really consistently just like squeezes every drop that he can out of out of his guys. But they release Luan, Dupree, Robert Woods, Zach Cunningham. It does seem kind of like there's a rebuild on at yeah. the same time. That does seem like not totally like what they do. But I would have some concerns that if things aren't going great, they're going to hand the reins to Levis and, and use this year as a let's get him some reps opportunity, in which case, like, that might be the good thing for the long term, but I, I can see that being a one step forward, two steps back kind of yeah. situation, at least for 2023. And then when you go to Indianapolis, <sighs> there's a lot of variability. Like, it, it's it's just an unknown but I feel better about staking a claim to Anthony Richardson being ready, like being ready to do something and his athleticism, his ability to influence the run game, plus hopefully a little bit of a bounce back year for Jonathan Taylor, you know, only played 11 games last season, um, went from over 100 yards per game in 2021 to I think 78 when he was on the field. 
if that doesn't have to go all the way back, but like if he is essentially himself again, I think those two factors can solve what was their biggest problem last season, which was the offensive line. Like, I still think that I don't think we're ever going to see like this generation of Colts offensive line be like the, the, you know, top five group that a few years ago they were. Like, I, I think that ship has sailed. I think some people have, have um, reg- regressed a little bit just as players. But I think the combination of a running quarterback in Shane Steichen's offense and a healthy and and hopefully returned to form Jonathan Taylor, I think that's going to mask that issue. And if that hadn't looked like an absolute disaster last season, the Colts would have been a different team. Not a good team, but like they would have been in a different situation. And I just feel better about I feel better about planting a flag there than saying the 24 things that have to go right <laughs> for the Titans to just get the absolute most out of this team are going to happen. And like, if I had to choose a, a, a coach to get like 16 out of 24, Mike Rabel would be a really, really, really good choice. I just, it just seems like so many things have to happen for that to work. Whereas in Indy, it's just like, Richardson has to be really dynamic and Jonathan Taylor has to be Jonathan Taylor again. Yeah. Like if you could tell me that one Richardson is going to start and he's going to be competent, which I wouldn't be surprised with. Like I, I don't think he's as raw as people have made him out to be. And that Steichen is going to be a good rookie coach. He doesn't have to be like a good coach in a vacuum, just a good rookie coach, not a disaster, not Nathaniel Hackett. I would take the Colts over the Titans. I just don't know if either of those things are going to be true. And I do know, like, okay, maybe I can't say I know, but I do kind of know that Rabel is going to get more out of the Titans roster than what it looks like on paper. But I, I, I will relent here. I will give, I will give you the Colts number two because I almost put the Colts number two anyway, and I don't feel that strongly about the Titans. I'm certainly not going to like go to bat for a team that might play Will Levis ten games this year. <laughs> <laughs> What a sentence. What do you think about, like, one of the things that, um, first of all, thank you. How generous of you, Stephen. I'm glad that we could could reach consensus here. Um, one of the things that was tricky for me with the Colts is, is how to look at their receiver group, because I still think that it's a bit of a problem. Um, if I put my optimist hat on, my hope would be that Steichen's experience in working with mobile quarterbacks and designing offenses around mobile quarterbacks in a way that helps use them to influence the run game, but then also generate explosives on top of that could help make Michael Pittman return to being a little bit more of of a downfield player and a little bit more of an explosive threat. I don't. I wouldn't bet my life on it, <laughs> certainly. Um, and there are, like, I, I I liked what they did in the draft, but it's hard to count on, you know, Josh Downs performing right away. So the one, one thing that I had a little bit of, like, yeah, with inputting Indy second is I just don't quite know how to look at this 
receiver group because I do like what they did in the draft, but I just don't know that it's going to matter all that much. There's a lot riding on, there's a lot riding on Alec Pierce, like being a Cena guy. And and that's never something, right. Something you don't want to say. You don't want to be banking your NFL season on a guy named Alec. (laughs) Yeah, that's tough. That's my team building philosophy. And that's, I mean, he needs to be that downfield threat. And I mean, he certainly has like the physical skill set to be that. That was his his calling card coming out of Cincinnati was he was a big dude who could move really fast and he could get downfield in a hurry and has good hands. We saw flashes of that last year. I think he needs to take the step. And I'm at the point, I, I was high on Michael Pittman when he came out, but I'm at the point where I'm like, all right, he's a good player. He's a useful player, but I don't know if he's going to be anything more than that which means someone is going to have to be that dynamic there. Maybe it is Downs. Maybe Downs like bursts onto the scene. We've seen third-round rookies have good, especially receivers, have good years. Isaiah McKenzie being like your slot option, I'm not a huge fan of. I didn't think he was very good in Buffalo, and I thought he hurt that offense at times. So, yeah, that that would be my one concern. And I will say this about Steichen. Like, I know last year, he's kind of playing on easy mode, right, with those receivers, with Jalen Hurts, and then that offensive line. But the year before, we weren't talking about the Eagles' offense as like some stacked juggernaut and they were still pretty good and they were good enough to get into the playoffs and I think they had like the 11th ranked offense by DVOA that year so we've seen him kind of you know produce a good offense out of lesser parts so I wouldn't be too concerned about that my concern with him is like how do the head coaching duties that he now has kind of interfere with his his job as like a guy who coordinates the offense sure I hope not too much Um, I mean, you know, we'll see what this defense looks like. That's another situation where I really like what they did in the draft, just adding like big athletic corners. Um, that's going to be important to Gus Bradley. That said, if he's got one way to, to really contribute here, it might be in having enough experience so that Steichen can continue to focus a lot of his energy on offense. In particular, just because like I, I, he is so good at, he's so good at calling plays. He's so good at like structuring the cadence of how you call a game mm-hmm. and working with that stuff. And it, it just would be a real loss to them if that kind of falls by the wayside. Um, and if it's not his priority, you know, opinions on Gus Bradley can, can vary, but, um, He's been around for a while, so <laughs> I guess you hope that the experience ends up being something that they can use yeah. to their advantage. I was going to say, it's a good thing that they, he has like a former head coach on his staff to kind of, you know, lend him that advice. But then I realized it's like maybe the worst coach in NFL history by record, and maybe that's not the best It's thing. fine. But Gus is like, they had the 12th best defense by EPA last year, or 13th best by EPA. Like Gus, and he's, he beat Patrick Mahomes. True. He's beat I him twice in like the last two years. I wish they hadn't traded Stephon Gilmore. Not necessarily for like like the league as a whole, because I liked that trade in general, but right. just for the purposes of this podcast, I, if they had just like one more experienced solid cornerback, I would that would be that would be nice. That would yeah. have made me be able to say like in a little bit more of a full throated way, Colts number two in the AFC South. But we're gonna say it anyway. Yeah. Okay, so I had the Titans third. Anything more on Tennessee? 
I like I th- really think this defense has the potential to be a top ten unit, and, and it comes down to the secondary. I agree with you. Like I, I look at that secondary, and I'm not impressed. But like the front seven, you have. I know there aren't like a lot of uh, like game changing players except outside of Jeffrey Simmons. But Jeffrey Simmons is a, a just a wrecking ball of a player. In yeah. The but like Ar- Arden Key. Danico Autry, I, I feel like you can get something out of those guys, even if they're not, you know, top 10 pass rushers. I do think that combination is really good. And then I, I like their offseason, even though it was kind of weird. It was a weird offseason for them just because I I thought they would rebuild finally, but I don't think, like, Mike Vrabel is interested in that at all. But, like, adding Al Shaheer from, from San Francisco, the linebacker, I, I really like that addition. I know they lost a couple linebackers, but I think bringing him in, just a physical guy, who I think fits in well with what they do. I think that could be like a bullying defense. And if that's the case, in Derrick Henry, we didn't even mention Derrick Henry. I'm at the point where like Derrick Henry to me is like the the new Adrian Peterson where, I mean, we can keep predicting that the wheels are going to fall off, but until they do, like I'm done predicting it. I need to see it first because he's a freak. He's like a physical freak and there's no projecting what he's going to be. And if he's the Derrick Henry that we've seen in the past couple of years, and they have that defense that I think that they might be able to have. You got you can get a stew going. You got something going there. I think you can win like nine games, like I said. But I'm fine with the Colts because I do like. I think if the Colts are good, the league will be a lot funner because that means Anthony Richardson is playing and he's he's good. And Steichen is bringing all that magic he had from Philadelphia, and that would be a, that would be a fun team to watch. What do you think? Like, okay, it's it's June second as we're recording this, so not going to hold you to this long term. But how many playoff teams does it feel like there are in this division? There's one. It, Just one. If, if this was the NFC, I would. <sighs> I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like giving too much credit to the Titans, like f- for their ability to kind of overachieve. But if they were in the NFC, I wouldn't count. I wouldn't rule the Titans out as a playoff contender, like a wild card contender. In the AFC, though, uh, that ain't happening. Like, because who are they? Who are they finishing better than? Not the Chargers, not the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Ravens, the even the Browns. I think are are a way better team, or way more stacked. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> They might be the third worst team in the in the in the conference. <laughs> and I picked them as the second best team in this division. <laughs> who is who is wide receiver one in Tennessee? Is it Burks? Is it Westbrook Akita? I think it's Burks. I guess I do too. Is it Racy McMath? <laughs> it's I can't who? believe that's a real name. I still don't believe he's a real player. I've never seen him play. I've never Tracy seen him play. McMath. Get out of here. It's <laughs> unbelievable. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Nice Make to meet like you. I'm mascot. Racy McMath. I'm Steve McAlgebra. <laughs> I'm Joshua McCalculus. Okay. Uh, Titans are third. No, in the keep division. going. Keep going. <laughs> I'm Colton McLong Division. <laughs> Just name and math concepts. The Houston Texans. 
Great transition. Uh, I have them last. <laughs> Me too. Bonnie. As Racy McMath could tell us, uh, they are fourth, which in a group of four is last. I, I don't know about you, but I looked at the depth chart and I kind of liked it more than I thought I would. Another team that I thought like if, if I think the defense, the secondary has a chance to be really good. And if you have like one good unit and you have a smart coach, I feel like you could build something around that. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win like eight games or anything. They, they're like their ceiling is probably five wins, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get those five wins. And that's I think exactly it, how I felt. This comes team down, is better than I thought it was. Also, that might mean they win five games. <laughs> right. Instead of three. I think it comes down to Bobby Sloak. I don't know what to expect out of him. And like, he's a sh- <laughs> that's just like a very funny, like, again, just a tough, no offense to Bobby Sloak. No offense, but I have no idea who you are and I have no idea what you're bringing to the table. Uh, you, you might as well be racing McMath. But he's coming from the Shanahan system. Yeah. And like, I think we have like this image of what the Shanahan system has been, like the, the outside zone, the play action from under center. But like, even the Shanahan guys have kind of dialed back from that. Like last year, the 49ers didn't use a lot of play action. They started getting in the gun more. They started doing more drop back because when after they got McCaffrey, because he's like good out of the backfield. So, and then you see uh, McDaniel in Miami, and that doesn't look anything like a Shanahan offense, really. So I have no idea what this go- is going to look like and how effective it's going to be. Usually you you see one of these offenses go to a t- like a team install one of these offenses and you expect some positive regression. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I don't know if he's a guy that's able to adjust. I don't know if he's go- going to evolve. Like we've seen Kyle evolve. We see Mike McDaniel evolve. So there's a lot riding on how good this dude is. And I have no inkling or no idea what to expect out of him. I think it'll look more like the Shanahan offenses that we've seen than, for instance, like it does with Mike McDaniel in Miami, just because I think that makes a lot of sense for CJ Stroud. Yeah. Um, and probably has a decent chance, you know, if, if he's going to look pretty good fairly quickly, I think that's probably the situation in, in which that happens. And I don't feel like that's a, a long shot bet, right? Like we have seen young, inexperienced, you know, not very good. I'm not saying that that applies here, but quarterbacks look pretty good pretty quickly in the scheme. And I think Stroud's, you know, the the middle of the field stuff, the accuracy, like it, it works. So I think it's going to, I think there's a good chance that it looks like that, even though we have seen guys on that tree sort of branch off in all sorts of different directions. I bet it ends up looking pretty familiar in Houston. The only question is just like often when that thrives, there are really good skill position players helping make that happen. And they've got a pretty good offensive line. So the protection should be decent. Um, Damien Pierce is great. actually like their tight end situation. The Dalton Schultz deal was one very good value um, and, and two should help them. It's just... It's it's just yep. wide receiver. Uh, it really is. It, w- w- ah. Yeah, I don't Nico know what to Collins. do about that. This is the, you know what it, it could look like is like the year Jimmy went to the the 49ers and he like started those games at the end and they had like no receivers whatsoever whatsoever so but it was bad. working. 
it was working because of the scheme and because the quarterback was like following the scheme. And I think CJ Stroud, to your point, is a good fit for this offense. I think every quarterback is a good fit for yeah. the Shanahan offense, actually. But I, I do think it will help him a little bit if he is because we have the question marks about the playmaking. That was like the big question mark about him is, oh, is he a playmaker? Is he going to do stuff outside of the pocket? In this offense, you don't really have to. We saw you Jimmy G to. not make any play. I don't think Jimmy G made a play his over the last five years. Over his total time in San Francisco, I don't think he made a play outside of the structure of the offense. And it was 17 fine. injuries, four plays. <laughs> right. More injuries than plays made. And still a top five quarterback. Or, yeah, by stats every year. Uh, but I, I, I think it also comes down to, is D'Amico Ryans who we think he is in terms of as yeah. like a de- defensive wizard? And like I said, their secondary is really good. has a chance to be really good. I really like Derek Stingley. I think Jalen Petre was a good safety last year. Jimmy Ward comes over from San Francisco. He gives them some flexibility. He can play safety deep. He can get, yeah. him, get into the slot. Desmond King is a veteran cornerback who, I mean, he could play. J- uh, Steve, Steven Nelson comes over. There are some pieces there. And then they get Sheldon Rankins from New York who quietly had like a bounce back year with the Jets. Will Anderson, if Will Anderson is that guy that they traded up for and he like right away, like maybe makes a Micah Parsons type impact as a rookie, I can see this being a decent defense. And then if they get the Shanahan offense up and running and they're able to work around the receiver situation, which I agree is that's like kind of the thing holding me back from thinking this team could be a little frisky. I think it could be a little frisky. Just if, like Robert Woods, if Robert Woods is a great player for this team. He's, he can catch it over the middle. He can block. He can do all that stuff. The question with him is, of course, age and health. But if he stays healthy, I could see this offense kind of working a little bit. I don't know. I, I, I don't think the Texans are as bad as people are giving them credit for. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I just, even if Will Anderson comes in and makes a really significant impact, I like the Sheldon Rankins move. I still, you know, you said is D'Amico sort of who we think he is? Is that even like, are we even going to be able to say that? Because it's just, even if those two things break really, really, really well, Will Anderson, Sheldon Rankins, Malik Collins, Jonathan Greenard, Christian Harris, Denzel Perryman, Corey Littleton. I'm not sure those are the San Francisco 49ers. (laughs) I am sure that they're not. (laughs) I don't think there's a Fred Warner in there. I don't know. Chase Winovich. Blake Cashman. Jerry Hughes is still around. He's still doing it. Oh, my Uh, God. Jerry Hughes must be 110 years old. Right. Yeah. I mean, the front seven is a concern. And, like, I don't know what D'Amico is going to be as, like, when now that he has his own team, I really don't know what his defense is going to be because, like, he's come from so many different backgrounds in terms of scheme. Like, he, he coached under Sala, who was from the Pete Carroll scheme, that Seattle scheme. He obviously played under Saban in college, and then right. he played under, like, the Belichick regime in, in Houston with, like, Cornell and, and Vrabel. I really, I'm really interested to see what this defense looks like. And the defenses he had in San Francisco, like that Seattle style, has always been built like front to back. Like you need a good pass rush for that to work. Whereas I think the New England style of defense was always, is always like secondary first. We need dudes that can play man coverage basically. And he has that. And I I really want to see which way he kind of leans with his scheme. And if it's towards that like New England scheme, I think this could be a decent one. 
Now, if he tries to do the same stuff he did in San Francisco, where he had Joey Bosa just blowing up plays and he had Fred Warner doing Fred Warner things, don't think it's going to work. So I think that's a big question to you. Yeah. I, when you look at the roster, I think the former kind of trying to do it back to front makes more sense. Unless Will Anderson is just like the second coming of, you know, like is, is clear defensive rookie of the year from the moment he steps on the field and you're just like, oh my God, this guy is such a difference maker. You have to make him the focal point of your defense. Barring something very, very, very extreme in that sense. Uh, that seems like what would make the most sense, but I agree with you. It'll it'll be a very interesting sort of way to figure out how D'Amico wants to run his own team, thinks about this defense, um, and could make a difference for them. Also, just because, like, they have a little bit more... They have a little bit more depth in the secondary, too. I think they're they're more solid overall, and there's a little bit more depth there. That's the other thing, is just, like, if this team gets hit with a couple injuries in the wrong spots, all of a sudden, they sort of are the team that it feels like people are yeah. talking about them as, of, like, maybe they won't win a game. Especially um, on offense. Especially on offense. Yeah. That, Would Racy the, McMath start for this team? Ooh. He might, he, I think he would be in the mix for like the number two receiver position for sure, which he might be in Tennessee for all I know. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't been like following the Tennessee reserve receiver race over the last couple of years. I, I, maybe Racy McMath is like a, a hidden gem that's about to break out and we don't know. Oh my God. Born June 14th, 1999. Almost his birthday. Happy almost birthday, Racy McMath. Sorry about the jokes. Sorry about the jokes. Um, okay. Are we missing anything? I think we've got we've got one through four, right? So we're starting off with Jags, Colts, Titans, Texans. The the Jaguars South. are the best team in the NFL. <laughs> As things stand. According to the Ringer NFL show, the Jaguars currently, as we record, June 2nd, atop the league. Um, and let's see, it's all riding on Bobby Slowick for the Texans. It was all riding on Alec Pierce for the Colts. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the key player in Tennessee? It's not Racy McMath. It's not Racy McMath. Uh, Derrick Henry. Let's just say Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. All right. Um, and then let's see. Ridley. Still just Trevor for Jacksonville, or do do we give that to Calvin Ridley, maybe? I think Ridley, maybe even Walker, but yeah, I'd go with Ridley. I think that's... Let's go with there. Ridley. Think, All right. I think we're at the point where we can, like, rely on or count on Trevor to be good, I think. Okay, just, just if we're keeping track by the completely unplanned and random list of who is this team counting on the most that we just came up with, the Colts should be dead last because we gave the Jaguars Calvin Ridley, the Titans Derrick Henry, and the Texans, I mean, at least a coordinator. And the Colts got Alec Pierce. So, And the Texans don't count, really. And let me, uh, let me just reiterate one thing because we were re- very optimistic about the Texans. If everything that we said breaks right, they'll win like six games. I just want to, I just want to make sure that's clear. We're not high on the Texans by any means. Don't put, you could put in the paper that we think the Jaguars are the best team, but don't put it in the paper that we think they, the Texans can win like eight games. That's offensive. All I was doing while you were saying that was like thinking of things like John McSocial studies in my head. That's his brother, okay? 
<laughs> this has been the Ringer NFL Show. Thank you to Stephen Ruiz. I'm Nora Princiati. We will be back with the NFC South next week. In the meantime, Stephen and Ben are going to be on the feed on Friday. What are you guys going to talk about? We're talking about the AFC. Who is the biggest threat to the Chiefs? The Bengals or the Bills? It's like a Bengals-Bills kind of thing, comparison. I'm trying so hard to make a racing math joke, but it's not working. Um, that'll be great stuff. Thank you, as always, to Stefan Anderson for production on this episode and to Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal for additional production supervision. 